Hello there! This show contains material which a truly free society would neither fear nor suppress. The language and concepts contained herein will not cause eternal torment in the place where the guy with the horns and pointed stick conducts his business. Yo, dude, what's up, man? Chilling like a villain. <laughs> Chilling, relaxing, chillaxing. <laughs> Solid <laughs> artwork. Dope. You know, I had to, uh, I had to educate uh, my wife on the, uh, the gang sign thing. I don't even know that. I, I made my fingers like the W, and I said West Side, and she said, "What is that? Is that a gang sign?" I said, "Yep, yeah, I'm throwing down the gang signs." Ah. Oh. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. I don't, I'm not down with the gang sign, actually. Well, I was talking about the west side of Fayetteville. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm into the, the, uh, the jets and the... Uh, the sharks. The sharks. Those are the gangs I like. Right, when, when none of the people on the, uh, in the sharks were actually played by Latinos. <laughs> I also am a big fan of uh, the Baseball Furies. They're one of my favorite gangs. <laughs> From Warriors. Warriors, come on to play, yay. <laughs> and he had those three bottles on his fingers and he were clanking them together. <laughs> oh, that's a classic film. I haven't seen that in so long. Not sure I need to see it again. Oh, but... I think we have to put together... Uh, a film festival. You mentioned that. I, yeah, I was. We should do the BV Film Fest. Yeah, and we make just, some recommendations, you know, both because of their wonderful cinema, and you know, maybe some off the beaten path things that people need to see. And I'm actually going to talk about a film like that tonight that I saw recently. You know, not a stellar example of uh, <laughs> cinema, but yet uh, you know, fun, fun, and I think people of a, a particular bent, a particular ilk, would approve. <laughs> I do, and I'm of that ilk. You're, you're and there's ilkin? nothing wrong with that. You you down with that? You be ilkin? Yeah. Well, well, what we should do is um, we should put together the list of things that that we think are our top films, mm-hmm. and you know maybe one of these weeks if my family's away or something, we could just sit down and watch like three or four of them. Well, you know, occasionally your your wife goes out of town, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I still want to bring over that roast, the William Shatner unedited. Uh, Comedy Central roast. You got to right. see that. You're gonna you're gonna pee your pants, dude. Well, as a matter of fact, it's totally blue. My uh, blue. My my uh, my wife's gonna be away next weekend. Really? Yeah, next weekend. Okay. Oh, wait, is it next weekend? I I wouldn't know, sir. It's either next weekend or the weekend after. So we, we should maybe uh, figure it Make out a day and, of it and do I'll that. Come over early and we'll do some some crazy whoozy what's nuts. Yeah. What are we drinking then anyway? We are drinking. We're drinking some good stuff. It's uh, a Montes Cabernet Sauvignon Carmenere mix. It's 2004. It's from Chile. Good stuff. You know, I uh, gar- garlic, Chris, she had a little vegetarian dinner. I mentioned it to you a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, and I j- wanted to thank her for that because she listens to our show, and thank her for all the strawberries she's been giving me lately. So that was cool. Also had a nice little uh, little bit of a wine tasting last night at my friend Reiner's who did our German intro, which mm-hmm. we forgot to play. <laughs> we were going to play it, but then forgot. Uh, let's see. What happened last night? Yeah, he bought one of your favorites. He bought the 05... Um, Rosemount. Rosemount Shiraz, and it was uh, it was exceptional. Uh, it was up there, man. Out of all the vintages we've tried between the 02 and the 04 or whatever, this one is, is the best, and the 02 really? was... The 02 was great. Now, I'm not saying it's better, but I'm saying we've... Sampled the 03 and blah, blah, blah. The 05 is uh, one of the better uh, years for that. I think I've had some of their, their reserve 01 or 02. It was really good. Yeah. So, we had, and they bought some, like, gluten-free foods for me. And we uh, we went to this film, which I'm going to talk about later, the namesake. And then we went over to their house and just sat back and enjoyed the wine. Yeah, but we were talking about films early. One of the things that I wanted to mention this week was the AFI. You know, the American Film Institute. The, the AFI? One of, the, one of those organizations who basically just latches on to another organization, namely Hollywood, and tries to make money off of someone else's accomplishments. we got to do that. We've got to do that. That's the key. Yeah, so this AFI, they come out with this list of 100 top films of the last 100 years. And they did this a while ago, 10 years ago maybe. And then this year they came out with another list 
their 10th anniversary edition. Yeah. So I thought it would be a little fun to maybe, you know, go through the top 10 or 20 or so until we get bored and, and see if we uh, agree, disagree, or uh, have no idea for their reasoning. I don't think they give uh, reasons. No, probably not. Yeah, let's look at some of the some of the selections. Yeah, well, their top, which I don't think it changed from last time, Citizen Kane. Hogan! No. No, different Citizen, <laughs> no, different I was, Kane. I was doing I was doing the... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I, you I got had the... A, 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 Bottle cap on his eye. On his eye as a monocle. Citizen Kane, number one? Yeah. Rosebud. Rosebud. I just have one word to say. Well, that's what it's really all about. And it's the the final word of the film when he's dying, right? Well, I think it's the first thing that he says, and then you find out what it's all about through the end of the film. Oh, right. They Mm -hmm. do it out of order. He's he's like on his deathbed, and he says, Rosebud, and he finds out it's a... I'm going to ruin it for him. It's a sled. Yeah. I don't think anyone's going to be surprised. Well, they might be. Number two. Number two. The Godfather. That's... Whatever. I think The Godfather 2 should have been number two. And then maybe number one is The Godfather. Really? Well, maybe the other way around. I like Godfather 2 better. I think I know. You hands are, you're down, Godfather two. 2. That's one of those rare moments where the sequel was as good or or better. I, you know, between the two, I'm, I'm kind of equal on, on, on them. They all seem the same. Uh, Casablanca, number three. I've heard of that. It's a decent film. I haven't seen that in a long time. I should probably rent that. By far not my favorite um, bogey film. I like Maltese Falcon best. Yeah. Yeah. Raging Sweet. Bull. Sweet, huh? Raging Bull number four. Raging Bull. Know someone who worked on that. Yeah. Well, my friend Matt's cousin, she works with Marty. Ah. Yeah. And she uh, she went off on her own and produced that little Shakespeare thing a few years ago. What Shakespeare thing? The one where the girl played the guy. You know, yeah, Gwyneth. I'm missing that. Was that Shakespeare in Love? Oh, that was that was a while ago. Man, ten years ago, whatever. But she, uh, she's from Utica, and she was one of the producers on that, and actually accepted the Academy Award. She was a Utican. Get out on stage accepting the Academy Award for uh, Shakespeare in Love for whatever it won. I don't know, best something, but best um, person accepting an award. She's yeah. Now, this one is confusing to me. Number five. Number five. Singing in the Rain. You know, it's a classic. Yeah, but it's a classic, but... <laughs> what? Singing in the Rain? There are so many better films. Wow. You got really loud there, dude. You clipped the uh, recorder. Well, because I got ticked off at Singing in the Rain. Oh, man. I mean, yeah, he's dancing and singing in the rain. Give me a break. No, well, you know... I think they're talking about the scene in A Clockwork Orange, though. They, they, specifically, they're talking about that version of it. Maybe they, that's what they did, is they, they, uh, they felt that The Clockwork Orange was so strong that it could only have been uh, influenced by such a great film. Exactly. Yeah. I don't, I don't buy it. Larry of Arabia. I heard Oh, of that. I'm sorry. I skipped one. Number six, Gone with the Wind. Minor film. <laughs> Number seven, Larry of Arabia. Yeah. Dave, have you seen that in a while? No. I saw it when I was a kid. I yeah, think. it's been about 25 years since I've seen it. So I can't really comment on the Larry. Um, here's a surprise. Yeah. I don't think that any of us would think that it would fly this high on the radar. Schindler's List, number eight. Well, you know, certainly a powerful film. But do you think it would go all the way to number eight? I mean, of, of the past 100 years? You know... I, j- I have very strange memories of that film. I told that story. I told the story about being in the theater. And um, there's a lot of people with yarmulkes on, you know, in the theater surrounding me and my friend Matt. And there was the scene where they, uh, someone had stolen a chicken and they, they executed somebody. And they said, now tell us who who stole the chicken. And some little kid stepped out and pointed to the guy who was already dead and said he did. And everybody, la- you know, all the people with yarmulkes on were laughing. And I didn't know if it was okay to laugh. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, you know, pretty powerful subject matter. And I just have all these bizarre memories of being in this crowded theater. And, uh, yeah, it's a powerful film. I love the theme music. I, I absolutely adore the-, the theme to it. Well, I'm not saying it's a great film. I'm, I'm just saying number eight. I think it's a... <laughs> You, you know, think it's getting the sympathy vote? Do you think it's well, uh, political you know, correctness that's, that's, pushing that's it up not to number eight? Correct for us to say that. <laughs> Who said we ever were? But you know, well, I think it's a, a strong film. You know, I think the performance by um, Kingsley was phenomenal. And you know what the funny Liam thing Neeson. is? You know who was supposed to get that role, but he had a prior commitment. Was Hoffman? Dustin Hoffman was supposed to play. I thought you were going to say Marty Kaufman. No, Dustin Hoffman was supposed to play. Uh, I forgot his name. The 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 he was a, an accountant. 
he uh the the role that Kingsley and, yeah. played. And yep. uh, I love Hoffman and would have loved to have seen him in that role, but yeah, you know, it's just really powerful. It moved me, you know. I mean, the black and white was great and then those mm-hmm. those few moments of color which for me practically brought a tear to my eye. They showed the one girl with the red coat on. Mm-hmm. And then later on in the film they showed a wheelbarrow wheeling a body one. by and oh. you could see the red coat in there. Just unreal. Yeah, again, powerful film, powerful subject matter. I'm just wondering yeah. if people are voting for it because yeah. of the well, idea of be. the film, not be. necessarily the film It's itself. one of those things that's still in people's recent memory of being powerful, so it's going to creep into the top ten. But I suspect as years go by, you'll see it falling off you know, pretty far. Yeah, maybe. Well, and I'm sure a lot more films are going to be made over the yes, next hundred years. Yes, and then years. something else will creep in that captures people's imagination in the moment, and it'll be on the top of the list for a while, too. Yep. Number nine is Vertigo. Hmm. Hitchcock. Yeah, I need to look at more Hitchcock films. I haven't seen that. That that was a really good movie. I I don't know. Again, number nine, I'm not so sure, but it was a really good film. Number 10 is Wizard of Oz, and I've got a big problem with number 10 being the Wizard of Oz. Mm, Yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, you know, it's got one of my favorite pieces of music of all time in it. Again, it's, it's more of, yeah, you have to vote for it because there were some groundbreaking things in it, but as a film itself, if you watch it today, I don't know if it holds up. Well, and it's it, mind you, I I drive through Wizard of Oz Village, you know. I drive through it every day, twice a day as well, you know. Uh, what is it, uh, Chittenango? Chittenango, New York. They had Oz Fest two weeks ago, and no, Ozzy Osbourne was not there. Yeah, and did we mention that Chittenango is the home of L. Frank Baum? Yeah, it's we've like right down it. the road. From it's here. right down the road from John. I literally drive through it on the way here and on the way back and they have like a wizard of oz museum and it's a tiny little town it's a quaint little town actually. it's probably got a population of maybe five thousand at most yeah and they have a, a park and they had the oz fest the frank l bomb fest uh, a couple weekends ago and uh it's heavy traffic in uh, chittenango yeah. that day well and and every little store in chittenango has some sort of wizard of oz theme yeah and yeah. it was a sad day because um Probably a couple of months ago, one of them burned down, and there was an apartment mm. above it, and the store was called Auntie M's. <laughs> wow. Auntie M, Auntie That M. alone means it should be in this, this yeah. top ten or whatever. Well, maybe because it's sort of infiltrated our whole consciousness. There's so many well, things that we, we refer that, to. And, and by Tin the way, Man. Yeah, and by the way, that song, Somewhere Over the Rainbow, has been voted the number one song of the 20th century by many, many music critics and music lovers. All right, maybe I'm going to backpedal on this. Maybe top 20, but I still don't think number 10. Yeah, well, maybe not, but, you know, it's it's fun. It's a fun film. All right. I mean, come on. Are you in the Lollipop Guild or not? Are you down with that? <laughs> Jeez. I represent them. Are you kidding me? Now, maybe that shouldn't be in the top 10, but maybe... Under the Rainbow should be in the top ten. <laughs> no, I don't think that deserves to be on the list. But that's one that should be in our film fest because it's a lot of fun. We have to come up with a list of criteria for our film fest, and then we'll just each bring something to the table yeah. and surprise each well, other. Well, we'll brainstorm about that. Number 11 is if City Lights. Capable. City Lights, a little Chaplin action. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a big Chaplin fan, you know. I don't remember this film. I I think I've seen it maybe once. Yeah, I saw it once. We actually in high school uh, had a uh, English elective, and I took film class actually, and we watched films, and that was one of the films that uh, I watched. Chaplin was a, a much maligned man because um, he was uh, alleged to have done anti-American activities. You know, during that whole bullshit uh, commie scare thing, yeah. and he was labeled, uh, you know, anti-American. You know, just like John Lennon was because John. Right. and liked peace and hated war. Ooh, that's anti-American. We're going to kick you out of the country. But I'm a big Chaplin fan. Boy, that man could roller skate. There there are just amazing pieces of, of uh, mimery, physical humor that, that he puts together in, in, in a lot of his films. And you just, know who else I'm a big fan of is Buster Keaton. Absolutely. He could do things Harold that Lloyd nobody even. could do. Yeah, Lloyd. They released all the Lloyd stuff finally. That finally made it out. It's yeah. been restored and released. That's something I'm, I might want to get. Hey, number 12, The Searchers. Wow. John Wayne Western. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I don't Again, know an- another that. one that I haven't seen probably for 20 years. Yeah. Uh, number 13, we'll probably both agree on this one. It should, it should be high on the list. Star Wars. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, and I've talked about this. You know, when you're an 11 year old kid and a film like Star Wars comes out, there's nothing cooler than that. And I'm going to say it uh, for me, 
I never had a more exciting cinematic experience than being an 11 year old in a full theater and seeing yep. something like Star Wars. It was mind blowing. Yeah, I remember. Mind blowing. I was uh, six or seven at the time. And yeah, again, for me, it was amazing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I used to joke around with some friends of mine and call it the greatest film ever made. And for me, in some ways, it is because I have never gone to a theater again in my life and had that much fun at a movie since then. So while it's not The Godfather and it's not Raging Bull... It's Star Wars. I yeah, mean, you came out bouncing after you yeah, see that Yeah, it was, it was a roller coaster ride, not in its ups and downs, but just in the sheer fun of it, you know? it's it's. Pff, well, it was it. before the age of the, the whole computer effects on screen, too. So some of the things that they did were literally groundbreaking. Yeah, Industrial I mean, Light and Magic. Amazing work. Yeah, they won like 49 Oscars for effects that year, and yeah. they don't even give that many, but they won that many. And people sitting in the theater, just it, they were aghast they were agape at what they were looking at because they were just they were not understanding how these these images were coming across and how they were created so it was mind-blowing today someone could look at it and say well that doesn't hold up kind of like you know the comment i made earlier but it certainly i think that it has more than just special effects because it uses all the classic themes you know well, good it, versus evil yeah the black and type. white in the the rope the swashbuckling character you know he used yep. Lucas is famous for borrowing, you know, themes. And, you know, good guys wear white, bad white guys wear black, blah, 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 Darth Vader, the swashbuckler. You know, they did everything from the sword fight to the the swinging on the ropes, you know. The the scoundrel who has a a golden heart kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, well, it works, you know. It does. But it. And what's great about Star Wars is as a standalone film, it works too, you know? You don't have to watch the other five. If you can just watch that episode and be completely satisfied, you know, that you, you don't need to see the other five because the Empire, for all intents and purposes, you can imagine them mm-hmm. dying. Anyway. And in fact, I, I think that I probably would have preferred that the, the last three films, the newer films, weren't made because yeah. they were a big disappointment to me. Yeah, they were a disappointment. I mean, they were interesting eye candy, but because, again, they upped the ante on the effects since then, and they were yeah. able to do things that visually, you know, nobody imagined possible 20 years ago. And just like in 1977, they were doing things that nobody imagined possible 20 years prior. Yep. Hey, guess what? Number 14. Yeah. Let's only do 20 because we're going real long. All right. Number 14, Psycho. Psycho. Well, that's got to be up there. Very suspenseful. Hitchcock again. It's classic. Hitchcock, two of the top 15. Well, I mean, you know. He knew what he was doing. I think he knew his way around a camera. (laughs) He could could craft a story. And a sandwich. (laughs) Well, yeah. Uh, number 15, I think you and I will, again, both agree. Maybe you won't agree. Mm. 2001, Space Odyssey. What do you mean I won't agree? I didn't think you were very much of a Kubrick fan. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 2001 was, um, a, 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 well, even before Star Wars, the special effects yes. in 2001 were mind-blowing. They were almost of the Star Wars level, but they were done in 68 or whatever, you know? You know, 2001. Maybe. And, and yeah. I think that it was also more realistic. It was It was... It pushed a lot of buttons because it wasn't a fantasy so much. Yeah. I mean, it was at times. It was, you know, it was, um, <laughs> what's the word I want? It was um, um, un uh, to understand. What's the word I want? It was intangible. Yeah. You know. I don't know. But, maybe that's a word. Yeah. I mean, I, I had a couple of problems with the film, but on the whole, you know, Kubrick is, uh, he's one of those guys, one in a generation, one in every hundred years, you know. Yeah, 2001. That's That's got to be on the list. Maybe higher. Probably higher. I, if I was making this list, and I probably will at some point this week, that's probably going to be in my top five. Yeah, I would. I would. Uh, I concur. 16, Sunset Boulevard. Wow. Hmm. I can't even say I remember this film. Yeah, that's another. <laughs> I got to do some reviewing here. 17, The Graduate. Again, probably mm, in my top 10. Probably in my top 20. Maybe my top 15. Mike Nichols, classic. Dustin Hoffman, breakout role. I've got one word for you. <laughs> Plastics. Plastics. <laughs> Number 18, The General. What is this? That's Buster Keaton. Is that him? Yeah, that's Buster Keaton right there. He's in my top 20, yo. There you go. He's there. Bring it. Number 19, On the Waterfront. Yeah, that's a, that's a classic. It could have been a contender for the top five. <sighs> could have been. Number in, 20, in It's a Wonderful one. Life. It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> it's a sentimental favorite, I guess, you know. 
I'm going to go to 21 because one of my this is probably well, one of my top You have nothing two. to say about it's a wonderful life? It, it's overdone. We've seen it on Christmas. You know, they overplayed it, blah blah blah. If I don't see it for another 10 years, I'll be okay because of the overplayed thing. And it, to me, it's a lot like The Wizard of Oz because it's always but have played. Have you seen the restored film? Because for years they were showing have. they were showing generational copies of 16 millimeter. The audio and, and video quality had degraded because they were copies of copies. But they've got the restored version, which is actually worth seeing. But did you know that every time a copy is made, an angel gets its wings? Yes, that's right. Number 21, and I'll stop. because yeah, this please, because we're is, already 20 minutes into the show, yo, and we haven't even played music or talked about anything else. We'll I don't it. want to do a one-hour show. 21. One of my top films, probably my top two, Chinatown. Yeah. yeah. It wouldn't be in my top two. It might not be in my top five, but it would be, you know, at least in my top 100. It's when Jack Nicholson wasn't playing Jack Nicholson. <laughs> exactly, and that's why it's great, and... um Boy, ooh, my nose hurts just thinking about that film. I gotta, I gotta tell you. Well, that's what happens with nosy guys. That's right. All right, <laughs> and that was De Palma. No, that was um, Roman Polanski. Polanski was the guy who cut him. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like three feet tall. Yep. All right, so that was that was fun. Um, we should play music. Let's do a tune. What are we gonna play first? We're gonna do a little. Oh, well, do you want to talk about your other thing? I'll first? do it. I'll do it on the out. You'll do it on the out. Yeah. You want to play some tunes? Okay, got it. Let's check it out.
little A.H. Um, Albert Hoover. Little Alan Holdsworth. Yeah. Again, not pod safe. Not pod safe at all. And uh, we were, <laughs> I was shocked at the fact that uh, I got an email from Mr. Holdsworth manager and who said, yes, Alan is okay with you playing his music. So just, we have to link to his site. We're actually supposed to check and see if he has any upcoming gigs, but we'll do that on the next show. Yeah. And I chose that, that track for one specific reason. Because. Well, not only because we could play it. It's, Yeah. Because the the title of it is Heavy Metal Fatigue. Metal Fatigue. Metal Fatigue. Yeah. Heavy but he, Metal but Fatigue. But he says Heavy Metal Fatigue. And uh, I heard this story. I think it was on NPR, one of the Canadian uh, shows, As It Happens or something like that, where they, they interviewed this guy in Sweden. They called him up because he was granted a, uh, a dispensation or something from the, the Swedish government. And he was, he was uh, given a certificate that he has a disability, which is... Um, heavy metal. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, his lifestyle is is a disability because he is a heavy metal addict. Um, he loves heavy metal. He does like every- Celtic Frost, the little Swedish band. Uh, I don't know, but he he talked about Ozzy Osbourne a lot. <laughs> oh, he's definitely not Swedish. <laughs> although you can't even tell where he's from anymore. He said his favorite song was Crazy Train, but he said that his lifestyle, being this heavy metal hard rocker. And not that he was even a musician. He just likes to go to concerts and everything. It keeps it or makes it difficult for him to keep a job because he's always asking for time off so that he can go to concerts. And then the boss says, no, you can't take the time off. And he goes anyways and he gets fired. So they're saying it's basically a mental illness of his. So he's on disability. So he's he's given um, compensation by the government. He has He's holding on a job right now in a restaurant. But the government pays 20% of his wage because he likes heavy metal so much. Well, that's a little odd. I got to go to Sweden. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. I just want to go and hang out <laughs> in the summer. Well, yeah. So what's going on when someone can get paid because of their choice in music? I, I don't know. I don't know. The, I like You've got it, nothing though. to say about this. <laughs> I like it. I envy the guy. Blew me away. Oh, you man. envy I, the guy. Yeah. You know, you know. Get it if you can. You know, that's all I got to see. You know, smoke them if you got them. I mean, I was I was hoping that you would have more to say about that. Anyway, I've got more I'm, in the news. I'm entertained by that. I honestly don't know what to say about that. I'm, I'm a little bit shocked and stunned. Speaking of crazy government, you heard about the uh, the energy bill that was uh, well, it's on its way to being passed. Hopefully, mm, yeah, I've heard rumblings, grumblings, yeah. ramblings. And the only reason why I'm bringing this up is because of a, a silly response. The government, if you haven't heard about this... And by the government, you our, mean government, our government. The United States government. No, not the... It's the government on the planet. It's the United States government. The Senate actually passed the bill after uh, much debate. I can make glass. They passed a bill to up the... What's called the cafe standards. The... Yes. The car... Something like that. It's fleet, a... Fleet efficiency. Framus Gafrina Grupilan. It's, it's a, an acronym. Cafe <laughs> stands... It's not like, you know... Coffee. Cafe no, stands cafe. for something to it's, do it's with... Uh, C period, A period, yeah. F period, E period. Right. Right now, there's a, the cafe standard says that, that vehicles made by a manufacturer have to average something like 25 miles per gallon, you know, for fuel efficiency kind of stuff. Right. Um, so they're going to up that to 35 miles per gallon by 2020. Yeah. Well... <laughs> It's not like it's, it's like throwing it off in the the not too uh, thirteen years from now. Yeah. Well, Clinton had some you know decent standards, but Bush dismantled all those. Blah blah blah. Well, and, and I don't have a problem with them passing this bill. I wish it was a lot more strict. I wish exactly. it was. I wish and it was sooner. like hundred miles per gallon by twenty twenty. You know, and sooner. Yes. Um, and let's bring back the electric car. Have you seen that film yet? Not yet. Is it in your queue? Who uh, killed the electric car? It probably car? is in my queue. My queue is mm. really long. Uh. <laughs> So, don't give me that look, mister. The The reason why I said bring it up, because the the response by the automotive manufacturers, they, they said something like, this is going to kill our business because, first off, it's it's so difficult right now to maintain these standards, and we've done everything that we can technologically. It's hard for us to reach 35 miles per gallon. Maybe if they made vehicles that didn't weigh 6,000 pounds and have 6-liter V8s and V10s in them... They could actually get their fuel economy standards a little lower. And I'm going to say it. Hello. And the other thing they said was, oh, but even if we could do this, 
people wouldn't buy the cars that, that would be 35 miles per gallon. You know what? If we only made cars that got 35 miles per gallon, you know what? People would buy them because they need cars. Right. We've created a society that requires cars. In right. the 40s and 50s, GM bought out mass transportation lines in huge cities so they could sell cars. They bought them out and scuttled them so that they could be the world's number one auto manufacturer, which they no longer are. Toyota is, and they had to learn a lesson from that, first of all. Well, and it's ridiculous on both fronts because absolutely the technology is available to make cars that can reach probably 100 miles per gallon without being... Maybe not. Well... But certainly 60. They're already doing 60 miles per gallon. Well, okay, with, you know, hybrids and things like that. But, I mean, internal combustion on its own, 100 miles per gallon, that might be that might be asking a well, lot. Well, I don't... I didn't read the thousands of pages of legislation, but I'm pretty sure that this isn't just limited to internal the, combustion. It's an automotive... But the or, bottom line is 35 MPG, no problem. It's <laughs> yeah. not a problem at all. Yeah, my car on the right day can get 35 MPG. Right. On the highway, you know. Drop from a plane, it gets even less. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's going straight down. It doesn't move vertically. Well, you guys have heard us ramble on about fuel efficiency standards ever since two Augusts ago when Katrina hit, you know, Mm -hmm. and gas went through the roof, obviously, you know. And we were, of course, contradicted by our our favorite gun-toning libertarian. But what does she know? Jeez. She'll be on the show to rebut. She's going to be on the show to talk about an upcoming film, too. We're going to have Kirsten on talking film. Really? The AF- treat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kirsten, you heard it from me. I, th- I think it'll be a treat. And Rich scoffs. I, 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 I. He guffaws. I don't even know what I did. I just had a sip of I think of there wine. was some gas passed at some point. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of ticked off about that because uh, I want fuel-efficient vehicles. I exactly. really want fuel-efficient yeah. vehicles because. We have to have them. Because I drive lots of miles every single day. And in in addition to fuel efficiency, we need uh, cleaner burning vehicles. Mm -hmm. I mean, we we just can't keep emitting greenhouse gases. That's bad. If we could consume fuel and fossil fuels and not emit any greenhouse gases and pollute, I'd be okay with it. You know, let's all drive a Ferrari and get eight miles to the gallon. Oh, that would... I'm okay with that. I'm down with driving the Ferrari. For me, it's not necessarily (laughs) about fuel economy as it is about being good to the planet. If we could drive, like as I said, really fast cars and and that weren't necessarily fuel efficient, but there was no negative impact on the environment, yeah, fine, whatever. You know, let's all go out and drag race. You know, but speaking of breaking, unfortunately, the law, they go together. Well, I'm going to switch gears here. Oh, hey, Ooh, pun. Ooh, remember Pac-Man? You mean the NFL guy? No, the little cartoon character. Yeah, the NFL guy, Adam Pac-Man Jones. He's in trouble again. Is that what this is talking about? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Pac Man was arrested. Yeah. When I Not wrote to that, be confused with Michael Vic Twenty or no. whatever his name was. <laughs> Good segue into that. Um, Adam Pac Man Jones, and when I wrote this on the board, I said Pac Man arrested. Yes, I'm pointing I'm look- to the board. I'm looking at it actually. Actually, that was wrong. Adam Pac Man Jones was uh, being hunted by the police. I think they were shaped as ghosts. He was being hunted by the police, and he finally turned himself in. He agreed to turn himself in because of another brawl and shooting at a strip club. <laughs> this guy just can't stay out of trouble. Yeah. But my favorite part is this. The guy's name is – his nickname is Pac-Man, and you know what they want him for? I don't know. He bit the leg of a bouncer. He's Pac-Man, <laughs> and he's biting. I guess he mistook... Biting commentary by Pac-Man. <laughs> he mistook the leg of the bouncer for one of those white dots he, that no, appears he, in the maze. He, he mistook the leg of the bouncer for a loaf of bread, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> or perhaps a, uh, a clam. Um, yeah. <laughs> or an oyster, even, with a little champagne. Or if, if you're familiar with the Pac-Man game, a piece of fruit like the cherries and the strawberries. And they, they had pretzels, too, at one point. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> All right, Pac-Man Jones arrested... Sammy Sosa. Sammy Sosa, the big 600. He hit 600 home runs and nobody cared. I mean, <laughs> nobody just, showed up. There was such great indifference to steroid boys hitting home runs. I saw a sign uh, when it might have been when San Francisco was at Shea Stadium. And of course, they were referencing Barry Bonds, not Mr. Sosa, but it said break records, not rules. And I, you mm-hmm. know, I kind of agree with that. I, I just, you know, I don't know. I'm, t- I'm changing my mind about this whole thing. I think that we should go for 
no regulation in sports so that we can have something akin to the all drug Olympics. Yeah, well, which is one of the funniest <laughs> Saturday Night Live skits ever. Go to YouTube. I don't know if it's there, but type in like SNL all drug Olympics and <laughs> you'll see something that will literally make you spit through your nose. I mean, yeah, milk will come out of your nose even if you're not drinking milk. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I what can you say? I'm not a big fan of sports enhancing drugs. I know I've talked a lot about Floyd and Landis, but I'm not convinced that he did it. I am convinced, however, that Mr. Sosa and Mr. Bonds and Mr. Giambi did. And um, the other guy from Oakland, Oakland, Canseco. Canseco. Oh, yeah. yeah. He admitted it. Right. He, I mean, he might not be a, the most likable character in the world, but at least he's he has, has come clean and said, look, I did it. I'm did not you proud hear of Mr. Sosa's press release the other day that was crafted with a lawyer? It was talking about he said something like, "I never injected myself with <laughs> right. with sports enhancing drugs," which leaves two loopholes, right? Okay, I didn't inject myself, but I covered myself in steroid gel, right? Or, I, or it was a, an oral thing, or somebody else injected me because right. he said I never, you know, or so, I backed into a needle by accident. Yeah, I was in a prison shower <laughs> and I bent over, and <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, a steroid bomb went off in my house. I couldn't help it. You know, one of the guys in prison gave me a steroid enema, and I don't <laughs> quite know what happened. And... It, it was it was purely medicinal. <laughs> well, the the other thing is, I don't know if anyone cares about baseball, but but the thing that, that kills me about Sammy Sosa is when he was in front of uh, the Senate or Congress. Do you remember this whole episode? Yeah, you know. <laughs> well, he and Mark McGuire, this was uh, not too long ago, and, and other baseball players, they were questioned by some congressional panel about drugs in baseball. Sammy Sosa miraculously forgot how to speak English. He wasn't really that good anyway. No, no, no. I mean, we're talking about, they were asking Completely. him simple questions, and he'd go, me no speak English. And now he speaks to the press well, fine, yeah, and but before you know he spoke to the press fine. But he learned that from Reagan, remember? Uh, I don't recall. Yeah, but I he has a legitimate seem... excuse. Well, no, he was just lying. They're both lying. Well, they're both lying, but Reagan actually did have Alzheimer's. I know, but I'm pretty sure by then he still remembered the answers to at least some of the questions he was being asked. Well, yeah, Sosa, all of these guys, they're, I think that when we look back maybe 20 years, 30 years from now about the whole steroid era, we're going to say, well, you know what, back then that's what it was, and nobody's going to pay attention to the, the records. Barry Bonds is well on his way to to breaking the home run record, and I think what's going to happen is someone else is going to come up, break the record, and then he's going to be the legitimate holder of it. Hopefully. Maybe it'll be Buck Bakai. Maybe it won't be in our lifetime, but someone's going to break that record. That's how records are. Yeah, records and rules are meant to be broken. So, you know, I very briefly, I saw a film called Color Me Kubrick, Kubrick the other day. I didn't know you liked Kubrick films. Yeah, it, well, you actually hit me to this. You sent me the link to the online trailer like right, two right. months ago, and I went, wow, what's this? And um, I was going to go rent the last film you watched. I was going to rent Breach. Right. And I was in the BC, you know, the Bs and the Cs, and then I, my, caught, what caught my eye was Color Me Kubrick, and I said, you know what? Screw John. I'm going to rent this <laughs> and not Breach. I'll rent Breach another time. That's a commonly heard phrase. Screw John. Yeah, and this is a wild film because apparently in the late 90s when he was filming uh, – uh, the the cruise the cruise Kidman thing. Um, oh, uh, uh, eyes wide shut. Yeah, that's when he one. was filming Eyes Wide Shut, there was this person going around London impersonating might not be the right word, but pretending to be Kubrick to get whatever he could get. You know, when someone mm-hmm. believed he was Kubrick, they would say, "Oh, let me buy you lunch and pitch you my new script idea." So he used this this myth that he was Stanley Kubrick to get money, sexual favor, whatever, you know, anything he could get, he would try to get. And Kubrick had heard about it and uh, I believe did want to press charges, but no people, because they were taken by a con man, wanted to testify. It's embarrassing. So he couldn't get him on any legal things. So he had one of his uh, research people just interview the guy, I guess, and find out everything there was to know about the guy. And, of course, Kubrick died. And this guy died within three months of Kubrick, oh, which is a funny irony. Oh, and Maybe he was so Kubrick. now the person who did all that research on this person, whose real name was Alan Conway, ended up writing a script called Color Me Kubrick. And one of Kubrick's ADs, one of his assistant directors, directed the film. And we have this film called Color Me Kubrick with... Malkovich. Malkovich playing this Alan Conway guy, and he's very flamboyant. They played him as homosexual or at least somewhat ambiguous in terms of his sexuality. And it was just this over-the-top film about this guy going around London pretending to be Stanley Kubrick. And the amazing thing was he knew nothing about Kubrick's films, you know. (laughs) So when people would ask him questions, he would just cleverly dodge them, you know. 
But what was really cool about this film was that the film was laced with all of the music, you know, the Wagnerian waltzes and whatnot from 2001 and all of the electronic Beethoven and and the other Beethoven from A Clockwork Orange. And if you're a Kubrick fan, you're going to be totally amused by this film. Was it 2001 A Space Odyssey? No. I mean, it really wasn't even 1001 A Space Odyssey. But it was. if you're a Kubrick fan, you're going to be thoroughly entertained by this film because of all of the Kubrickian references. So ah. check this thing out it's called color me kubrick and no this was not my film review for the day <laughs> but we're going to talk about something else later i think oh, right now darn. we're going to play a tune yeah is true let's check it out the factoids otherwise known as the mini fiends <laughs> the mini fiends did it cost them one million dollars to produce that film or yeah. the, the produced record? by produced by jerry jones the singer lead singer in the fiends and by the way his little brother whose name i don't know <laughs> is uh, joe i think his name is piker joe and he uh he was singing and uh, i think he plays guitar as well wasn't jerry jones the the coach or owner of the dallas cowboys or something I don't know. I don't know about Jerry Jones. There's probably a lot of Jerry Jones in the world, though. I don't know. Those are some weird names put together. Jerry and Jones. Those are not very common. This is from the Factoids EP release, Destroy the Plot. And that one was called Differin. And yes, it was named after the acne medication. (laughs) I I didn't know that. I did not know that. Love those guys. They're kind of cool. They are literally like mini fiends, you know? I really like those guys, and I love the guitar sounds on that record. This record sounds really good. Yeah, it's uh, it's acceptable. <laughs> I actually worked a little bit on that record here, right here in Utica, New York. So, you know, I don't want to do a long review because we're way long on the show, but I saw... Weird. I'm, I speak for myself when I say that I'm long on I, this show. 
I saw a film called The Lives of Others, which I declared one of the best films, if not the best film I've seen at the Munson Williams Proctor Arts Institute this year, and a film uh, equally as good in the top two I saw last night. It was called The Namesake, and it's a uh, film by director Mira Nair, N-A-I-R. It's a 2006 film, a U.S. slash India production, PG-13, 122 minutes, partially subtitled. You know why? Because they're speaking Hindi every once in a while in this. What is this Hindi you speak of? This is a cool film, and it, it had everything that I like about films encapsulated into one film. It was just like a giant love film pill. And was it wrapped in a blueberry pancake? It, it was, and it was deep fried in <laughs> lard. And what is this film about? It's about a Indian, as in the country of India, couple. They sort of had a, an arranged marriage, and he came to the United States, so therefore she came with her, and he was studying, and he got his PhD, and he became a professor. And the first thing that struck me, of course, is the juxtaposition of the cultures, right? Those sure. are, there's always some really interesting things and some interesting moments that happen. And then they eventually spawn. <laughs> they, they swim up the stream? And they have children. And oh, that kind what, of spawning. Yeah, exactly. And, and then there, you know, we've all seen the film where there's the culture shock, right? But what I liked about this film was there was sort of reverse culture shock. When their kids became teenagers, they went back to India. And suddenly ah. the kids were thrust into a foreign culture to them much like their parents were 16 years earlier and they had to deal with the realities and the culture differences in India and they spoke a little bit of Hindi I believe when they went back and then we the the last act of the film ends up going in the uh, back to the United States where they're where they live and something tragic happens and it sort of radically changes the lives of the children I'm not going to say what it was tragic that happened but you know think of tragedy in your life and it might be that I lost my pen the other day but what for me what I loved about this film is that it kind of explores the idea that everything comes full circle right you know the children were sort of rejecting Indian culture you know and when they went back they were just like what are we doing here oh my god we have 40 more days to stay in this country what are we going to do you know and there was a moment, for example, where the son wasn't sure what he wanted to major in in college, and then he was standing before the Taj Mahal, and he suddenly realized he wanted to study architecture because he loved drawing. He also loved engineering. And, you know, what, what's a better hybrid of those two things? You know, he wants to study architecture. The circle was complete. Yeah, and I, I just love the fact that this film really explores the idea of everything comes full circle, you know, and it explores the yin and the yang as well. And, uh, you know, this is simply one of the best films I've ever seen. I, I don't know really. You just need to see this film. This is truly, truly one of the, the greatest films ever made. I mean, we have characters that you like, characters that we care about, and when things happen to them, we've got an emotional investment in the characters, you know, and we, we really want, good things to happen to them. I mean, this this film was remarkable. I can often gauge how much I like a film at Munson by how many times I look at my watch during the film. <laughs> and this was one of the no-look no look films. I was just, just mesmerized by the entire film. It was just absolutely incredible, and you need to see it once again. The Namesake, a U.S. India production, 122 minutes. Well, it sounds amazing, and, and one of the things that, that's always important with film is... is um having a theme that's cohesive and having a theme that resonates throughout every aspect of the film. And it sounds like, you know... They really hit the nail on the head with this one. Yeah. They hit a home run with this one. And um, again, I don't want to talk too much about it because I just want you to see it. This really was an incredible one. I was just totally blown away by this film. You know, is it Star Wars? No, it's better. <laughs> it's actually better. <laughs> There's no special effects in this film, I'm pretty sure. And I'm pretty sure that shot of the Taj Mahal was real. It was not CGI. You mean they didn't uh, just take a photograph and and cut it between two scenes? No, no, because photograph is a song by Def Leppard, and that's on your wife's iPod. Uh, Now it may be, yes. You're correct. This truly a remarkable film, a a wonderful adventure. If you're a film-loving fan, you're just going to be completely... um, taken in by these characters and it's just really truly a a wonderful effort by this uh, filmmaker and i don't know if this is a woman or a man but it's mira nair (laughs) it sounds like a human being you know what my criteria for if if it's a good film or not i don't do the watch looking thing because one i stopped wearing a watch a while ago but i don't do that you've got great watches you need to start wearing one mister because i started wearing a cool watch myself we'll be in that club you know we'll go around with snapping our fingers and when you're when you're a jet kind of thing yeah my criteria is if I have to go to the bathroom, do I just get up and not care about missing part of the film? 
there are very few films I've got up to go to the bathroom in. In general, even if it's a bad film, I, I don't want to miss the key line, which could be the That's like, right. pivotal component to something later on in the film. You know? Right, and then someone will be talking about it outside saying, wow, that was just amazing. You're like, no big deal. I had to urinate. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so you know, you should add this to your queue because this was, uh, this was a good one. This is one of the good ones. You know what? What? Ooh. Thank yeah, we're you. gonna do an acapella version of our show where we don't have any music. We just hum our theme song. Thank you, Jeremy Shaw, for letting us play your music for our theme. Anyway, yes. check us out on the web www.microsoft.com. I mean, and, bloodyveg.com. And check out our blog. It is msn.hotjobs.handjobs. Uh, <laughs> no, <it's>, what? <laughs> Whoa! Let that one slip out. No, it's uh, bloodyveg.com/forum. Leave us feedback. You can tell us all sorts of obscene things to feedback at bloodyveg.com. Have I mentioned that people should send us money? Send us money. Precious metals, for example. That yes, would be cool we'll, too. we'll be happy to melt them down and make good things. That's right. We'll uh, recycle them. Remember, you're listening to the VIB. VIB.